Francisco 49 is deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff form going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Gruden, Walgren, Bill Belichick, where all students of Bill Walsh don't ever forget. I'm Lee Gowland. I'm Brian Davis. And this is the 49er Faithful UK Show. Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the 49er Faithful UK Show. This is the first review show of the season and today I'm joined by Gareth Ellis. Do you want to tell us a bit about yourself and how come you came to be a 49ers fan? Uh, uh, Hi everyone. Uh, Yeah, I started following the NFL back in about 87, uh, I guess, when it was first on on Channel 4. Highlights at 6 o'clock when you came home from school. Uh, Me and a few friends at school all started following it together. I visited San Francisco the year before on a family holiday, um, found it to be a, a, an attractive place. It's, a, it's quite good looking as a city. So I was I was drawn to, I think, San Francisco, wanting to support them. And of course, at the time, uh, Jerry Rice, Joe Montana, um, lots of highlights. They were um, an, an attractive team to support. Um, a good friend of mine at the time also supported the Cowboys, who were doing terrible. So that was also a, a, an incentive. Um, and I think, yeah, after that 87 season, when we didn't make it to the Super Bowl, that uh, really cemented uh, my position as a 49er fan. Um, then uh, I have to say I completely drifted away from the NFL in the in the 90s. I, I went to university and uh, didn't really know anyone who followed the game. I completely drifted away from it. Um, and got back into it again about 2014, 2015, um, fell in love with the game all over again. Um, obviously not a great couple of years for the Niners, um, but really good to uh, be back on a positive track now, I think, with the, with the Shanahan hero, who's sort of coincided with me following the game very closely again. So to be honest, I think you you were pretty lucky there because you missed out on the Dennis Erickson year or two and um, the likes of Nolan's tenure which weren't very good to watch at all even though in Nolan's era we did have some good players coming through uh, Willis, Justin uh, not Justin Smith, Joe Staley Joe Staley uh, was drafted by by Nolan and uh, obviously he's still with us so whereabouts in the UK do you come from Gareth? Uh, I live in, uh, in Brecon in Mid Wales um, quite far away, I think, from any uh, NFL supporters. But there is there's a small group of us who go to the pub to watch the Super Bowl every year. Um, and certainly, one of the pubs would would put the TV on and did some food for us, uh, corn dogs and fries and, and chicken wings. Um, so we've had a good couple of nights in the last few years um, watching the Super Bowl. And it's been a forget last year, but we we started with two good Super Bowls with the uh, Falcons Patriots and the uh, Eagles Patriots. So a couple of cracking games. Yeah, and then followed by this year's game, which wasn't a cracking game. Yeah, well, if you let the Rams get into the Super Bowl, then, you know, expect disappointment. Yeah, it's bound to happen. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay, so as I've already mentioned, um, today is our first regular season game review show. And we, we've started with a win, an ugly win, but a win still. Absolutely. Uh, brief overview. Um, so three touchdowns called back in the first half. Jimmy's thrown a horrible ball, which was picked off for six. Debo's had a fumble. 
Although he did have an absolutely excellent catch as his first NFL catch, and I think he'd be happy with that and pleased that that was his first catch rather than the fumble being his first involvement in an NFL game. I think the big thing for myself over the game was the fact that we had four takeaways, including two pick sixes. We've already had more interceptions in the first game of this season than what we had in the whole of last season, so straight away you can see there's been progress made. Overall, looking at the differences between last season and this season, you've got to say the defence looked much improved. And the standout guy for me in the day, purely because he's improved that much since last year, is Witherspoon. I thought he was excellent in Sunday's game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, absolutely. I'd, I'd picked him as my, uh, my MVP as well. Uh, he was roasted down in Tampa last year. Uh, I think it's by far and away his best game. Um, and yeah, good coverage, pick six, uh, three passes defended. I think it was, um, always close to the ball, uh, fantastic performance. Great to see that that opposite Sherman, um, is going to cause some quarterbacks, uh, problems all season. The only other thing to add to that, I think is that I, I know Akello never misses the 49er faithful UK podcast. So, uh, Akello, if you're listening, <laughs> please don't celebrate before you've crossed the line. It's a pet hate when I see the players hang the ball out in one hand. They're just setting themselves up to look stupid. And I, I cringe at those moments. So, please, Akello, spare me and my heart. Yeah, completely agree with you. I mean, it's, it's gone wrong so many times over the years for different players who have just tried to showboard it in and either, either dropped it and it's gone out the back of the end zone or somebody's come behind them and knocked out the hands. It, it is a ridiculous thing to do and you should really just get in there, make sure you've got the touchdown before you do anything. So, yeah, I agree 100% with that. Well, Uncle Sherman did the same. I think he was lucky. He was just over the line before we put the ball out and, and basically threw it out the back of the end zone. So, Yeah, yeah. I noticed that as well. So let's start off with the offensive side of the ball. And let's start off with some of the rookies. What did you make of the rookie performances on the offense? I think you covered Samuel had a fairly quiet day, but a good catch. Um uh, I suppose uh, not a rookie, but Coleman did okay as uh, a first game uh, with a with a 49er. Um, it's a shame we can't see Jalen Hurd yet. Really excited to see uh, how Shanahan's going to use him. Um, other than that, who have I missed? To be honest, I think there was only Debo, Debo Samuel who actually started on offense as a rookie. Um, I can't think of anybody else that was there. It may have been one of the tight ends. Mm. As well, yeah, I'm not sure. I think sure. I might have missed that. I'm not sure if any of the tight ends, other than Kittle, got a catch. So, yeah, missed them. Um, well, let's go back to Tevin Coleman. So, Tevin Coleman, he, he did look okay. Obviously, he picked up the injury on apparently the very first play of the the game, and that's going to see him out for three to four weeks now, which is a bit of a shame. One of the things that I did pick up on the offense as a whole with our ground attack, it didn't really get going in the first half. But I don't think it's because we were poor. or And I've seen some of the comments about, well, we're not creating the space. The spaces were there. 
But what I think you need to do is give credit to both Levontia David and Devin White, who I thought were excellent at stopping the run. I do have an ulterior motive for saying that. It's because I picked both of them out as being good against the run in the preview. So I'm happy to stick with um, Levontia David and Devin White being the, being the reason that our ground attack kind of stalled in the first half. Uh, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think the the Buccaneers surprised me with with how good their defensive front and linebackers were. Um, in contrast to us, as soon as a running back was in contact, he was brought down. Um, we have certainly had a few sort of missed or, or slipped tackles where the running back gets another four or five yards after initial contact, um, and we got nothing out of Tampa Bay. I think in that, as soon as as soon as someone was there, the ball was stopped. Yeah, yeah, they they did do very well at stopping our run. I don't think the run really got going until I think it was midway through the second half when Mostert was getting more of the ball, and he he did well on the runs that he had. But we didn't particularly do very well on the ground anywhere. So sticking with the offense, um, I've already mentioned that Jimmy had that horrible, horrible throw. I don't know what he was thinking of. That was telegraphed by a mile away. People are trying to say, well, Tevin Coleman did have the ankle injury and that's probably contributed to it. But to be honest, even if he didn't have the ankle injury, it was a really poor throw and it was disappointing to see. But obviously that was picked off as six. I, I think he redeemed himself with that, um, what can only be described as a perfect throw to Richie James for a 39-yard touchdown in the second half. I thought that was absolutely excellent. James didn't break stride at all. It fell into his hands and off he went straight into the end zone. Yeah, I'd agree with that. He, I was pretty pleased with Jimmy G's performance, really, mostly because he just he looked comfortable. Uh, he moved about. He he didn't seem sort of nervous. Uh, clearly, he was rusty. Um, there were two or three throws where perhaps he was half a yard too high. I remember one to Kittle, one to Bourne. Um, but that I think that accuracy will come back. Um, with game time. It's his first game in in, in almost a year. Um, only had a couple of series in the in the preseason games. Um, so, I, you know, I expect him to sharpen that up uh, pretty good. So for a first game back, uh, I, I must say I was pretty happy with his performance. Um, his receivers perhaps didn't help in a couple of uh, uh, times. Um, and there were certainly a couple of throws which looked awful at first. Um, but they were both called back for for defensive pass interference. Um, And I think basically the receivers just weren't where they were supposed to be. Um, But obviously looking at it first time, it looks like it's a a fairly wild, inaccurate throw. Um, But yeah, we got got the pass interference penalties on both of those. Yeah, I've got to agree with that. I, I thought Jimmy did okay for his first game back after a major injury. He was bound to be rusty. And you'll get some fans that say, well, why aren't we starting Nick Mullins until he gets his fitness back? You can't get game day fitness unless you're actually playing a game. So that's why he's in there, to get that game game day fitness back. I think he'll improve in the next couple of games. Then we have the bye week. So I would expect him basically playing on all four cylinders when we get back uh, after the bye week. I think it's it's never never seems good to have the bye week so early. But I think in this time... Um, that's going to come at a good time, I think, for, for Jimmy G and potentially some other players to have that bye week early, uh, make sure all the rust is shaken off. Because as soon as we move into that, particularly the second half of the season, 
Um, I think we finished with eight really tough games. Um, so we need to get those wins in um, early in the season as much as we can. Well, it's funny you should mention that we finished with eight really tough games. So there's one of those eight games, or at least there might be a couple of those eight games, that I've actually got us down winning. Or I did have. <laughs> I did have until the uh, kicked off on Sunday night. So one of the games I had us down winning was the December the 1st matchup against the Ravens. And then the Ravens go and stick 49 on the Dolphins. So I may need to uh, revisit that. I was quite surprised about that scoreline. And another scoreline I was uh, quite surprised about was the Bengals-Seahawks game. I thought the Seahawks were going to absolutely trounce the Bengals, but they kept it close all the way until the very end. Yeah, I think uh, surprised by both of those. Um, From what I saw of the Baltimore game, Lamar Jackson looked really good. Um, Obviously, the Dolphins looked absolutely terrible. Um, I think with with the Seahawks, yeah, yeah, it's potentially closer, but... um, Perhaps they've got a bit of rust to shake off as well. So I think some of these week one games, you always have a few odd results um, purely because of teams not hitting hitting the ground running. Um, certainly some teams uh, like Baltimore have, um, and that's something I think we need to look at in, in, in future. If you're pushing for the playoffs, you've got to hit the ground running at the beginning of the season. So um, something to look forward to next year. Yeah, definitely. So what, one last thing about the offence. What, what did you make of Mike McClinchy's play on Sunday night? Because he was flagged three times. Uh, he was, particularly two illegal formation uh, uh, penalties. Um, certainly one of them nullified uh, a great uh, Kittle, trademark Kittle touchdown, where he, he takes the tackle, shakes off the tackle and wanders into the end zone. Um I can only think Shanahan must tear his hair out of those sort of penalties. Um, learning your offensive line uh, job, certainly day one, lesson one, is where you stand. Um, and to get that wrong, I can imagine that's the sort of thing that uh, would really annoy a head coach. Um, it's, it's interesting. You don't see it happen to a team like the Patriots very often. And I, I can imagine having to walk off the field having failed on a on a third down and having to face Bill Belichick's stare um, when you've given away a penalty like failing to stand six inches uh, forward. Um, <laughs> I can see a lot of players yeah. not seem to ever do that again. So, I mean, you know, McGlinchey knows knows better than that. Um, let's put that down to rust and, and hope that that doesn't come up again. So I'm actually glad you mentioned the Patriots in in talking about flags because I was going to leave this until the end but there was that many flags everybody was fairly frustrated about it and obviously last season and probably the season before we have had a lot of flags thrown against us so I actually went onto some websites got the stats for all the flags that have been thrown the last two seasons for all the teams what the totals were and to be honest we aren't as bad as what we think we are so the high but they're not as bad as everybody's making out when you look at the rest of the league. I think this has more to do with the way the, the game is now called by the officials rather than in discipline within the team. However, the, the McGlinchey ones, he, he shouldn't be getting those wrong. So as an example, last year, Kansas City, who made the playoffs, they were the team with the most penalties last season with 159. <laughs> and they did pretty good throughout the season. We come in at number 10 with 126. Yet, I can guarantee you, pretty much all of our fan base thinks we were one of the most penalised teams last season. 
Now, also within the top 10, there was another playoff team in there that had more penalties than us, and that was the Seahawks. So I don't think the penalties are as big an issue as what we make out to be. It's just the type of flag that we get with the likes of McGlinchey when, when he's not lined up properly. You, yeah. you can forgive pass interference. You can forgive some of the other some of the other flags you get. You can't particularly forgive the one that Corn Alexander did because that was just absolutely ridiculous tackle. But I don't think it's the issue that everybody's making it out to be. No, I think it's it, it's the frustration, particularly on the the offensive penalties, such as the illegal formation and the uh, you know false start. Um, as you say. We're, on on defense, you expect you're going to give up a few penalties here and there, but it's it's those it's those simple ones on offense that you should be able to uh, to clear up. It seems you know their lack of concentration penalties um, rather than you know a slightly mistimed tackle or um, many a dubious defensive pass interference call. So I would definitely agree with you there because another stat out of the 126 flags we had last season. 46 of those flags were either for a false start or offensive holding. So so that's a third a third of the flags that we're getting are just those two penalties on offense. So if we can cut those out, then we can be in the sort of bracket which is the the last 10 teams and when you look at who's in the last 10, both the Rams and the Patriots were in that bracket last season. So obviously the less penalties you make, the better you're going to do during the season. I know that sounds obvious, but depending on what team you've got, I mean, Kansas City is the perfect example. Kansas City were the number one penalised team and they went they went into the playoffs. So even though I say it sounds obvious, even a penalised team can get there as long as they're good enough. Yeah, yeah, it's frustrating to see, and I think it's it's clouded by the only the only full game I watch is is generally the Niners games, um, and you know you don't pick up all those little full start penalties on on highlights packages, um, so maybe you just you don't see it with the other teams, um, but it, that's that, that's encouraging. But I'm sure from a coaching point of view, um, you want to clear those up, particularly where they turn. Uh, you know, a, a third and four into into third and fourteen. Um, it really puts puts the offense under pressure when it's got to overcome its itself all the time. Um, puts itself in difficult positions. Yeah. So over on the defensive side of the ball, what did you make of Quan Alexander's contribution before the um, ejection for the bad hit? And what did you make of the bad hit as well? Well, he was he was clearly up for it, wasn't he? So um, it was good to see, I suppose. Um, uh, Want to make a name for yourself, put himself about uh, some good some good tackles. Uh, yes, the you know he he deserved to be ejected. Yes, it's a clear penalty. Uh, I always feel you know potentially slightly sorry for the defender when the quarterback ends up coming in low. Um, you know he's clearly tried to to tackle him around the the waist or thighs. Suddenly the quarterback's heads down at that level um it's not much of a defense uh players need to clean that up um but just on that um there was an identical um lowering the head to initiate contact penalty on Mostert. i think in the in the fourth quarter uh same 15 yard penalty um the bucks player stewart didn't get ejected 
Um, and I think if the the NFL want to stand that stamp that out, they've got to be consistent um, because it almost yeah, sends it, it sends the message we're concerned about quarterback head injuries, head injuries. But now running backs, we're not too bothered. Um, and I think that's that's a very dangerous way to go um, to give the quarterbacks this kind of extra protection. Um, the head injury stuff is really serious, needs to be taken out of the game. Um, and a way of doing that is you know, zero tolerance, 15 yards, first down and player player is ejected. Yeah, completely agree with that. So once Quan got ejected, I think that's when our run defence started to fall apart a bit. I mean, we allowed the books 121 yards on the ground. Now, what I was surprised about Quan, and I mentioned this in the preview show, I was a bit worried or concerned about the amount of missed tackles he'd had in the last two seasons. But while he was on the field, before he was ejected, some of the tackling he was putting in was absolutely excellent. Um, there was one in particular tackle on Peyton Barber as he ran through a hole in the middle of the offensive line and he just stopped him dead. And it was it was reminiscent of a tackle by... Um, oh, God, who do you call him? It was Christian Okoyo who was stopped for the Kansas City Chiefs. And he was stopped by, I think it was the Broncos' safety whose name I have completely forgotten. But it was like a David and Goliath tackle. So the Bronco safety was a tiny guy, but he did not flatten Christian Okoyo, and he is huge. And it reminded us of that. I mean, when Quan Alexander came up, he, he just stopped him dead. It's like he'd hit a brick wall. It's not as though he just slowed him down and then dragged him down. He stopped him dead, and I thought that was a wonderful tackle. Uh, absolutely. I think we, we missed him a bit. Uh, I think uh, Mark Nazotcha uh, came in for him. Obviously, he had a really good game, blocked a punt, uh, tackled the player, the Bucks player who recovered that punt, put in a couple of tackles, had an interception. Um, I must say, I, I was surprised Nazotcha made the uh, roster over Elijah Lee because I thought Lee did really well at the end of last year when he came in to replace Foster. Um, so that was that was something that I did you know, widen my eyes at when I saw uh, the roster that Lee hadn't made it. Um, also a little bit surprised, we only took five linebackers on the roster as well, um, given that it's such a sort of high-impact position. Um, let's, uh, let, let's hope that five players are, at that position is enough. Um, I, don't believe, I don't know if Alexander will get a suspension for the, for the ejection or just a fine. I think it'll just be a fine. I don't think it'll be suspended. Uh, well, good. At least uh, I hope he doesn't. <laughs> well, let's let, let let's see what he looks like when he's got uh, four quarters against the Bengals next week. So, but yeah, yeah. Uh, impressed impressed with what he did. Um, pretty impressed with the entire in, in defense. Really, um, it's it's nice to be able to say that for once. I couldn't find a a weak link. Really, uh, I thought the D line did did exceptionally well. Bosa looked looked good. Um, he only seemed to be coming in perhaps on third downs. They seem to rotate that defensive line uh, constantly. And I think that's going to keep the, the offensive line uh, off guard, keep those players fresh. Uh, apparently, it was a very hot and humid day down in Tampa. Um, and our, our D-line depth of players uh, is certainly up there in the, in, the, in the top that any team have got in the NFL. Uh, so really pleased to see that they uh, uh, they kept the pressure on Winston the entire game. He didn't look comfortable at all. 
Um, and that's that's down to those guys at the front line there. Yeah, I think the passing defence has been the biggest improvement by a mile. Um, what a difference a decent pass rush has made to the secondary. They're now no longer having to uh, chase a wide receiver for 10 to 15 seconds waiting for the quarterback to throw because the quarterback no longer has that time. And it was obvious, granted, Winston, he does have these games where he just throws interceptions to anyone. But I think that the pass rush that we've got now it's not giving the quarterback much time at all, which means our cornerbacks and our safeties have a much easier job, and it makes it possible for us to take get these takeaways. Absolutely, I think it, where we've had a pretty feeble uh, pass rush, uh, certainly last year in in a number of games, um, the quarterback com- gets comfortable. The quarterback knows he's got chance. Uh, the game slows down for him. If you can create that pressure consistently. Um, you know, even if you're not really getting through for a quarterback hit or a sack, um, I think the quarterback is already always thinking, I've got to rush, I've got to get the ball out, I've got to make a quick decision. Um, and that's when they start up men- uh, making poor decisions. Um, and that's hopefully where the, where the safeties and the corners um, are, are going to get a few more picks this season and a few more pick sixes. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And I really hope uh, Sherman gets five plus. Purely because that was one of my bold predictions as well. Uh, yeah, one one of the things I was I was looking most uh, forward to at the season is Sherman's pick six uh, down at Century Link. Um, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, that would be absolutely fantastic if he picks off Russell Wilson. <laughs> uh, we we can we can but hope, can't we? We certainly can. So on the special teams and special teams uh, had a really good game as well. Absolutely. Block punt in the first half. In fact, it was the very first punt of the game by uh, no other than Bradley Pinion. So I was glad that was blocked. Um, three out of four field goals with the miss bouncing off the crossbar. And I'm not sure if it was that uh, last field goal attempt where goals hurt his uh, ankle or hamstring. I think he hurt his hamstring. Yeah, he seemed to... Um, to, to perhaps pull his hamstring, but I've I haven't heard any sort of injury update about him, which I hope is good news. Yeah, definitely because he is an integral part of the team. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. So an- another special teams uh, player, Mosley. What an absolutely fantastic tackle on Wilson for zero punt returns. I, I can't <laughs> remember if that was the. I think that was quite early on in the game. To be honest, I, th- I think but it was, was a crack th- and tackle. I think it was the first punt. Uh, I've I've got it down here as a as an honourable mention for Mosley for that hit. Um, you get one of those in early. That punt returner has got that in his mind for the rest of the game, um, and that's when punt returners start to fumble punts because they they take both eyes off the ball and start putting one eye down the field to see who's coming down at him. Um, so yeah, that that's fantastic to see. Um, most have been good in special teams. I think with the Coleman injury, I, I don't know how much he lined up on special teams for the Tampa Bay game, um, but I've seen him do that uh, as well, get down the field um, and just nail the punt returner uh, for no yards. Um, so, yeah, g- good to see. Yeah, definitely. So before we move on to player calling, is, is there anybody else in the defence you want to call out for a special mention? Fred Warner, looking great. Um, looks like an absolute steal in the third round. Um, moving into his second year, um, yeah, 
solid player, good tackler. Uh, if he can add a few interceptions and maybe a sack or two to his game, um, you know, he could be looking at a Pro Bowl this year, next year. Uh, I know there's a lot of competition at the linebacker spot for, for Pro Bowl places, um, but Warner really looks the business. Um, pleased to see that he he started the Tampa Bay game, um, put in seven tackles, I think. Uh, he seems absolutely tireless. Um, great to see that in the in the heart of the defence um, and only good things for him coming forward, I think. Yeah, yeah, he is looking like very good value for where we picked him in the draft. So I've been happy with Fred Warner both last season and the first game of this season. So on to the player calling. To be honest, I found some of the player calling on offense to be a bit pedestrian. There was no real risks were taken, which is kind of understandable. I think they want to ease Jimmy back into a stride. I don't think they want him to to basically put any pressure on that uh, leg by, by trying to throw it as deep as he possibly can. I think they will give him a, a few games before they start to open up the playbook and be a little bit more adventurous with our wideouts. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with that. Um, I think Pettis only played something like two snaps. Uh, I read something today about uh, sort of Shanahan taking the uh, uh, the blame for that and saying, yes, he should have got him in the game a bit more. Um, yeah, some of the play calling did seem quite odd. Uh, the D-line was in the backfield so much uh, and we seem to repeat doing the um, short pitch passes and, and handoffs um, which weren't getting us anywhere. Uh, I understand we you, you need to establish a run game, so sometimes you need to keep plugging away. Uh, but we seem to to try the same play over and over, which which didn't work the first time, and it didn't work the tenth time. Um, yeah, yeah. All uh, of that again, I, I agree with. Yeah, Te- Tevin Coleman out on in the wide receiver position. Uh, the commentator said at the time that the, the cornerbacks looking at who he's lined up against. He knows Tevin Coleman isn't going to do a 40-yard route. He knows exactly he's going he's to wander 10 yards forward and come back for the short pass. The cornerback just knew exactly what to do. He just stood off him and then jumped the route. Um, I don't know whether that's... Maybe I'm, I'm thinking that was a play designed for, for Taylor or Hurd, who were both out injured. Um, and maybe that pl- sort of play would work. But it seemed odd because Jimmy only looked at Tevin Coleman. It seemed to be that was the scripted play. Coleman was the, the number one receiver. And it just seemed a strange play. But Jimmy yeah, didn't yeah, in the ball. You're right. But it, yeah, it was, it, there was an oddness to it. I mean, particularly doing it in that position where it's going to be a pick six. When you're at your own 20-yard line, that sort of pass is, is, is as soon as it's picked, it's in. Yeah. So, overall, I'm more than happy with the way the game went on Sunday night. Obviously, it was a 30, uh, 31-17 victory. We had um, three touchdowns nullified by flags. Granted, I mean, the, the Buccaneers had uh, two touchdowns nullified as well. But I think, uh, to be honest, I think the score flattered the Buccaneers. I thought we were much better than the 31-17 scoreline suggests. Um, I know a lot of people say, well, we'll look at some of the calls that uh, nullified the Buccaneers' um, touchdowns. But then again, I think the Buccaneers will look at some of the calls that nullified our touchdowns as well, or at least one of the touchdowns. 
um, the kittle where juice juice got called. It's debatable whether or not that should have been called, um, given the fact that the defenders weren't actually moving in Kittle's direction anyway. But at the end of the day, the rules are the rules, and it was called. But yeah, I think we're looking good. I think it's one of our best starts to a season we've had for a while. Not so much in performance, but in the potential that's there, the potential that you can actually see in the gameplay that you've just witnessed. Obviously, we had a really good game against Minnesota last year, even though we lost. You could see we looked like a good team. But that was in different parts. So when I say a team, there was individual pockets of talent you could see. Whereas when you look at Sunday night, the offense stood a little bit. That might have been play calling. You could see Jimmy was rusty. But because you, you know what his potential is like, and you've seen some of the potential of the likes of Deep or Samuel, with that, that first catch he pulled in was excellent it actually reminded us of Michael Crabtree and I hate saying that because I don't like Michael Crabtree ever since he held out after we took him in the draft I've always had this thing against uh, Michael Crabtree but he did remind us of Michael Crabtree his, his hands were were good I thought the catch he pulled in was a good catch and um, the only downside to Debo was when he fumbled and it wouldn't have been too bad if a defender had knocked the ball out of his hands, but he didn't. It was one of our own offensive linemen who he ran into. I think it was McGlinchey. I think it was McGlinchey. And it just came out, yeah. So hopefully he can, he can get over that. I'm sure he can. I remember Frank Gore being a rookie, um, and I think he had six, six, maybe even seven fumbles in his rookie season. Um, and he quickly got used to securing the ball and became one of the better secure ball handlers in the NFL. Hmm. And I think it was good. Uh, Breed of a muster had uh, a, a little bit of a habit of coughing the ball up occasionally last year. Uh, so so they didn't fumble uh, the, the ball, I don't think. Certainly didn't see it. Uh, I, I, was, I was most impressed, I think, with the defensive performance. Uh, last year, our offense wasn't bad. Uh, I think even even with CJ and Mullins, we were we were we were getting yards. We were we were getting points. What killed us last year was that the defense could never make a stop when it needed to. Um, and I think a good example of that was when Tampa Bay went for it on fourth down, um, and Tavares Moore should have come up with the interception. Um, but I think he, uh, give him the benefit of the doubt, he knew what he had to do on that fourth down play, which was stop the pass. So he he went to bat the pass away. And I think only afterwards he realised I could have caught that. Um, but he, he did his job. We made those stops. We we got the bucks off the pitch, off the field, um, uh, as often as we could. Um, and I think that's that's the improvement. Hopefully the offence will get up to speed. And if the defence can stay at the level it played in Tampa Bay, uh, things look, look pretty good for the season, I think. Um, certainly we should be competitive against anyone. I would think on that performance, as long as uh, we can sharpen up the offense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, with regards to Moore, I think half the problem with Moore there was he was already eating the sweets before he paid for them. <laughs> it's it's you see it time and time again they just try to run off with the ball before they've actually secured the ball. But you're right. I mean, his number one priority there was stop that pass going in and let's stop them on fourth down. Right, so that is the Buccaneers game review done. So while I've got you on, Gareth, I'm going to ask you to give us your predictions for the season. Uh, 
And as well as that, I would like you to make some bold predictions for one player on offense and one player on defense. For the next game or for the season? Predictions for the season. Okay, prediction for the season. I think I put nine and seven on the Facebook. Um, I would be pretty pleased with that. Uh, it would be a winning season. Um, I think we've got to remember we're, we're in a tough division uh, and we do have some some tough games at the back end of the season. Going to Atlanta, going to New, New Orleans, Green Bay coming, uh, the Rams twice, the, uh, the Seahawks twice and the Ravens. Every single one of those teams is is potentially expecting to get through to a to a playoff. Um, so there's going to be no no easy games towards the end of the season. Um, but I think that's a great test. Um, I can see us. I looked through the uh, the fixture list and I thought we could start the season seven and one. And then I looked at the back end and thought we could finish at eight and eight. Um, it will depend how it goes. Obviously, injuries to to other teams and to ourselves. Um, but I still think nine and seven, maybe ten and six, would be a, a, a fair result. Not sure that nine or seven, or, or even ten and six, will be enough for us to get a wild card place. Um, but I think turning around, um, was it four or five losing seasons in a row now, um, getting a win um, in. Certainly, I think we should be beating everyone in our division at least once. I think that would be a good result for the season. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to it. It's good to start with a win. Um, and I just really hope everyone can stay fit. I want to see what this team can do. Last year, yeah, it was just disappointing. Without Jimmy G, without McKinnon, um, you know, only only two-thirds of the team were really there. So uh, I want to see what we've got um, and see what we need to do. I think certainly on that... Um, uh, performance in Tampa Bay, it looks like our, our, our O-line needs work before we can be a Super Bowl contender. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes and looking forward to it. So given that this is season three in the Shanahan and Lynch era, and, and both Shanahan and Lynch gave the expectation of by the third season, we should be competing for a playoff place. If we don't make the playoffs... Do you think the fans will give them enough leeway because of the strength of schedule? Oh, I don't know about the fans. I think I think the owner uh, uh, should. Um, you know, last season was uh, it's a funny season to evaluate. Really, um, I think you, the roster turnover since they've started. You know, the team's been rebuilt. That's that's not going to happen in a year. I think some some of the fans, certainly on some of the uh, the social media groups, can be pretty toxic. Um, but you know, unless you win a Super Bowl every year, everyone should be fired. Um, I'm I'm I would be happy even with, I mean, dare I say, eight and eight, even seven and nine. I think would be a, a an improvement, um, given that we have got some some tough games. Um, but there's tough games for every team in the NFL. We've got to start winning those tough games. Um, that's got to start somewhere. Um, if we can get a good couple of victories in, you know, if we can beat the Rams, if we can beat the Seahawks, um, if we can close out tight games, um, those are the building blocks that that you need if you want to make it all the way to the Super Bowl. Um, we haven't got players who've really done any of that. Um, so, yeah, we're building. Um, I'm happy that this is another building season. I think really uh, season four, season five, that's when we really need to start looking. 
uh, and particularly um, maybe to see if we can spend a little bit more in, in free agency. Um, it's great to build through the draft. I think we've done reasonably well at that. Um, but there comes a time where you're only going to get to the next level um, by paying for those players that are going to take you to that level. Um, and that's often that's free agency. Um, but if we're doing well, if we become an attractive franchise to come to, then hopefully we will be able to attract those players. Yeah. So hopefully that's that's the aim of the way we've been running the organisation over the last few years. Okay, so I'm going to quickly press you for your bold prediction on offence and then defence. My bold prediction on offence is uh, Jimmy G throws for over 4,000 yards. Is that bold? I don't know. Maybe that, that should be expected. Um, well, he's never done it before, so I'll say it's bold, yes. Okay, well, that's good. Uh, uh, defence, uh, I'm going to, to, to say that we'll have uh, 12 interceptions over the course of the season. I don't think that's, that's too bad. Um, we started with three already. Um, maybe that's not that bold either, really. Well, compared with last season, I think that is bold. I would still say that was a bold statement to make after we only came away with two last season. It is. I'd, I'd like to see uh, uh, Breeder get a thousand-yard season. He was very close, I think, last year. Um, obviously, he had his, his few ankle problems, um, but I'd love to see him get a thousand-yard season as well. Um, I, I have to say, maybe it is bold, but I don't think Kittle will get uh, uh, break his own record. Um, but if he can get another thousand-yard season, um, which he's certainly capable of doing, because he takes a ten-yard pass at the twenty-yard line and, and takes it all the way. Um, I'd love to see it, uh, but I, I don't necessarily think he's going to top last year. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree with that as well. I, it's going to be a hard, hard job for him to do that, mainly because we've got so many other weapons now on offense, so we're not just reliant on Kittle. That's it. I think that that can be a good thing if if, if individual stats aren't necessarily uh, uh, so impressive. It shows you're not relying on on one player too much. Um, sometimes where you see the guys who've thrown over for 5,000 yards kind of means they've got no run game. Um, so it's not always a good thing to have such huge stats with one player. It's great for the player. Um, but I'd, I'd like to see, uh, certainly if we can get two or three wide receivers with 700 yards, uh, maybe no one will reach 1,000. But I'd, perhaps I'd rather have three at seven or 800 yards than rely on one guy getting 12 or 1,300. Right. Thank you very much for joining me today on the review review show. Thanks for the yeah, invite. Well, if, if you want to come on again, just let us know and I'll keep a list of people that want to come on and you're more than welcome to come back, Gareth. Thank you very much for your time today. No problem at all. Uh, just to, wanted to say it was great to see so many people engage in the game day thread as well. Um, I think a lot of us might be sitting on the sofa on our own watching these games late at night. Uh, so it's uh, it's really good to have a few people um, commenting on the game as we go, um, adding a bit of stuff when when you miss things or you might be away from the TV for a moment. So uh, um, it's really good to have everyone's company during the game. Yeah, I think I'll echo that sentiment as well. It was really good to see how how many people contributed to the game day thread. It made it made for some interesting reading, and it did bring up some good points as well. Uh, and it makes your podcast job easier, hopefully. <laughs> it does, yes. <laughs> right. 
thanks a lot guys thanks for listening um, make sure you give the podcast a like if you are on itunes if you don't mind go on and rate us on itunes um, obviously the higher rated we are the more we get pushed to the front of a search result so please do that don't forget that we have a youtube channel as well although it doesn't have that much content i'll, I'll try and add content as we go along um other than that yeah have a great week guys look forward to giving you the preview show on friday for the bengals game catch you later